HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Cutting the Curd, broadcasting live on the Here Heritage Radio Network. Happy Memorial Day to all. Today I'm happy to have Martin Johnson in the studio. How are you, Marty? I'm doing just fine, thank you. How are you doing, Greg? Well, I'm here. I'm here and that's good enough. I've noticed. <laughs> um, Martin has been working in the biz for many, many years now. Uh, we worked together at the Bedford Cheese Shop many years ago. Can you give us a little intro of how you got into cheese? And what you're doing now? Sure. The how I got into cheese is easy. I uh, was a freelance writer and needed a job that had steady paychecks. And I had worked in the deli section of a big Texas superstore when I was in high school. And I thought, that'll be the same. I'll just do that in New York. I very quickly discovered that New York was not Texas. <laughs> and that the uh, and that you, you know, we had we had five types of cheddar. Um, New York cheese departments were a little more diverse than that. And I was fascinated by the diversity and uh, got into it from there. Um, I wound up working, um, wound up running some cheese counters. I wound up um, stepping away from it when the freelance journalism uh, took wing. I came back to it around 2003. Worked my way back up, uh, wound up um, running, a, running a place, or running a cheese counter on the Upper West Side on Columbus Avenue. And when I was doing that, I, was run, I began running the beer program as well. And I found that there were similar strategies to making both things work. 
And uh, now what I'm doing is I've transitioned over to the other side, as they say, and work in the specialty craft beer buyer for Westside Market's East Village location, which uh, I'm proud to say has one of the best beer programs in the city. That's great. I don't drink beer anymore, so now, you know, whenever everybody says that to me, I'm like, great. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Telling me you like the things that I like best, and you have the best things, and I can no longer go there by them. Uh, but I can smell apologies. the beers, right? I can smell <laughs> you can certainly the smell them, yes. <laughs> many, of my, many of my beers are very aromatic. Oh, that's true. Um, so how have you been able to, like, navigate your way through the food biz and then why? That's a toughie. Um, a lot of it is that there's a lot. Well, there's a lot that's meritocratic about the uh, food business in New York. Um, can I curse on the air? The fuck are you talking about? Good. If you know your shit, you can do stuff. Uh, yeah. And um, that appealed to me enormously because in journal journalism was not necessarily meritocratic it's more meritocratic now than it was largely because uh there's no money and so it's not just that you know it's uh, the only people that survive are people that know their shit but in the food business there was you really had to know what was going on you had to know your ass from your elbow and that appealed to me and being able to do that and speak with some level of Eloquence. Uh, I wouldn't know Barack Obama or nothing, but I could speak. Um, I th- was enabled me to kind of establish things. That, and I also, I like people. I think I'm from a family of born educators, and I didn't want. I didn't want to become a college professor, which now looking back was maybe not the brightest idea. <laughs> but uh, you know, I like. I like sort of being Dr. Feelgood or Professor Feelgood for people. You know, it's like, hey, here's the good stuff. I've got it. What is that good stuff? Well, this is why it's really good. That's a cheese made from uh, sheep's milk in the French Pyrenees. They do a lot of good stuff there. Or, in my case today, well, that's, uh, you don't like IPAs? Well, well, that's a Saison. It's a farmhouse ale. There's a great backstory to that. And, you know, I enjoy enlightening people about why they like what they like and i am and i particularly like seeing people connect those dots because i think that's where you just get beyond the oh this is good and it gets beyond that into something that we might even call knowledge and um furthermore it makes them a customer a loyal customer to wherever it is i'm working and it makes them a more informed customer so they can get to the next level of talking about cheese or talking about beer or talking about whatever, really. Yeah, you, you're a smart enough man to know that you can teach and learn at the same time. Oh, and, for sure. And you have the acumen to deal with the customers. Some of them are trying to test you. They don't really want to buy things. They just want to see how much you know and torture you a little bit. <laughs> and I've worked with you at the counter, and you're very good with those people, whereas I'd usually physically remove them from the <laughs> store um, in, in our time together. Uh, I think you speak of uh, you know anybody that really wants to be doing that thing that we do on a real level and make it last has to have what you touched on um, which was the ability to sort of understand the operational needs of the business Mm -hmm. and uh, not put your knowledge before the operations of the business learning how to how to work that in I would say oh for sure no I I think 
it's not an arena for self-aggrandizement. Uh, well, it has become that, in my opinion. I've seen that. Mm-hmm. Not with you, personally, but I've seen that go on a lot. Oh, yeah. And I think that when that happens, uh, individuals forget the fundamentals, the basics, retail basics that sell cheese for them, mm-hmm. and, and they get lost, and things aren't organized correctly in a lot of cheese shops. I don't know. You've seen a lot of cheese shops. Would you agree with that? Oh, for sure. For sure, I would agree with the fact with that within a lot of cheese shops. And also, uh, let's not mince words. I've worked for some businesses that were nothing more than vanity projects. And so, but that's uh, okay too. If the money's coming in and they're letting you do what you want, then your philosophy of of protecting the food system can still exist within the vanity projects themselves. Oh, it absolutely did. Um, when I was up on the Upper West Side for three years, I mean, I look at my alumni association and I'm kind of like, wow. Uh, but the um, but overall, yeah, it, you have to do things right, and I think that you have to. You have, you know, okay. So when I was a teenager, uh-huh. um, I was living in Dallas, and I was about to realize my dream of going to college in New York City, and I had. Um, and I was spending a week in Chicago, which is where I was born. And my godmother, who was an amazing woman, she was the first uh, first black P- black woman to get a PhD from Northwestern. Uh, she took me out to lunch to sort of give me some pointers. And I'd already admired her greatly. So, frankly, if she wanted to take me out to lunch and just talk the entire time, I was perfectly happy to listen. We, she didn't. We talked and then at the end, I was thinking, well, this was a nice social visit. And at the end, she's like, let me tell you two things you're going to need, not just to succeed in college, but to succeed in life. And so I stiffened up, got all ready, you know, thought I should take notes maybe. Um, I was prepared for a long speech. She said, thick skin. And um, and she's, and I looked and I was like, well, okay, that, that sounds like reasonable. Poker face. Mm. And then she hugged me and said, "Good luck in college," and headed on her, headed back to her job. And the funny thing is, that's largely true. Um, those are two skills that are an essential in the retail business and essential in the food business. Um, listen, I'm African American. Right. I get, I'm even better. I'm African American. I don't look like I'm close to retirement age, and um, I have pretty broad shoulders. Once a week. On my beer aisle at Westside Market, even in the ever so progressive East Village, somebody mistakes me for the stock guy, and I have to try it. And I have to and explain. And you think to that's them, because you're black? I'm sure that's because I'm black. Well, I ask, you say sure. I'm quite. I'm. I'm quite. I'm quite sure because you can tell it on people's faces. I mean, they're directed to me, and the, you know, they're they have a question. Maybe I'm in the back area where. Well, in the growler station, and um, and somebody directs somebody to me, and they're like, "Oh, well, I," you know, they look at me and say, "Oh, well, I was wondering if you carry uh, if you carry any of the Mars uh, unfiltered loggers." Looking at me like I wouldn't know that. And I was like, "Well, absolutely, I do. Uh, let me show you to them. They're in our German single bottle section." And it's like, and they're like, "Oh, you know what that is?" And I was like, "Well." Can, I'm the buyer here. <laughs> you know? Could I? Could I but, say? Uh, you know what I do is honestly, 
those I, I've learned to let that go in one ear and out the other. And you think that is, and I'm not, I'm putting it out there. You think that is just in, institutionalized racism? I don't parse why it is. Um, because see, I get that question a lot, all the time as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get that question. I get that question in a different way. Right. You know, I've been looked at at the help as the help. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and and I'm not the help. Right. You know. And and I don't I don't have those sort of uh, I was not given that lesson I was given that lesson in a certain way mm-hmm. you know my my father told me you know you know don't give it all up mm-hmm. your face mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. and uh, and and don't yeah thick skin was more like don't take shit from anybody mm-hmm. you, you know right I mean when I went to college I, I was lucky in a certain way I went to I went to school to be a journalist mm-hmm. 20 years later here we are I knew there was no money in it mm-hmm. and I loved cheese and mm-hmm. I wanted to get out of being the help but I really liked the things that I was around mm-hmm. and did you find that you loved the things that you were around more and to push you away from those sort of antiquated dichotomies that exist in retail business, in doing retail business? Am I making any sense here? I was going to try to parse your question just for a minute there. I mean, um, yeah, what, uh, if you can, if you can be a little more specific, I'm not sure what you mean. Do you think that the lessons that I were taught Mm -hmm. were, were that much different than the lessons that you were taught that both allowed us to get oh, to where sure. we wanted to get. Yeah, sure. Because sure. I think because I think they were kind of the same. They were. They're. They're no. They're. They're absolutely. They're absolutely similar. I mean, that's the interesting thing. I'm not a hundred percent. Well, I'm not at all persuaded that I got where I wanted to get. I got where I can deal. Right. I mean, um, and what is that for you? I mean, I tell people simply as this. I am, um, it's a gig economy, and I have three gigs. I am a jazz critic at the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. I am the sales, I'm New York City sales and marketing guy for Lively Run Farms. And I'm the specialty craft beer buyer for Westside Market. Great. And sort of between those three things, rent gets paid. I mean, am I secure for the future? No, I don't think that I'm going to be able to be the specialty craft beer buyer for a nearby fancy grocery store for, you know, when I'm 72. But, you know, when it works out for when I'm 57. And, of course, I have a wide variety of sort of woulda, coulda, shouldas. But um, I feel like I'm here and I have enough solvency that I can pursue the next, the next big thing, and that's something that I haven't had for about ten years. So, well, I can, I would interject this. Like yeah. I've known you for a long time. We run in the same circles because mm-hmm. we're older. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, Marty, like I call you Marty. That's you cool. Uh, I've always called you Marty. That's cool. I always wanted a friend I could call Marty. And we worked together at the cheese shop and became Marty. Yeah, and, worked for me. You, you know, and um, I. People would ask, you know, they ask who's the uh, who's the staff, who's the mm-hmm. staff at Bedford, and you know, you got this guy, you know, but every it would be everybody would get it, It'd be like, oh mm-hmm. no, that's that's. Um, 
person X. He's, who yeah. is that gay kid? Oh, mm-hmm. gay kid, right? That. Um, who's that? Who's Greg? He's a boss. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's the boss. You know, who's Charlotte? You know, mm-hmm. Charlotte's also a boss. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, you know, who Marty? Uh, Marty's a cheesemonger. He's mm-hmm. an older guy. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Oh, Marty. Yeah, he's a black guy. Mm-hmm. You know, but it does. I think it's different in certain elements. In, in terms of that And I didn't know we were going to talk about this But I always <laughs> You and I always talk about this kind of shit When we get together um, But I um, I hope I hope you are where you want to be And I hope that the people that we work with And support our industry Understand that you're an important man And you know Deserving of everything you get Without any sort of ridiculous Things. I get that in the beer business. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, I think that, um, in fact, I think I get it almost too much in the beer business. I've taken to hanging out at a bar where nobody knows me sometimes, just so that I can be alone with my thoughts and my sure. beer. I mean, last night I was doing exactly that. Even, um, I mean, I was there, I was in the place because I, I'm friends with the bartender, but still, um, the place was a zoo, and I was perfectly fine with that because it was a zoo where nobody knew he me. He recognized you? Uh, she she, she knows me. yeah she she knows she knows me actually she comes by my store on her way to work so uh, we're pals but um, you know and then I thought oh this is so nice I'm going to game plan my week I'm going to outline a couple of things this is going to be great mm-hmm. collect my thoughts for an hour hour an hour and a half or so for some really good beers and um, then I went over I dropped by another bar just for a nightcap on my way home and the bartender knew me. One of the one of the customers knew me. The bartender, you know, is in the beer business. He thinks, "Oh my God, it's one of the beer gods of New York." Hey, everybody, you know, and it was fine. It was the adoration was nice, but man, I spent like the next ninety minutes sort of having people funneled my way, and I was kind of like, "That's Dude, great. I, this is flattering, but I just want to have a beer and go home." <laughs> Yeah, you can't bitch about people knowing and loving you. No, no, You're not smiling at all. Not at all. No, not at all. It's not a good at all. Thing. Not at all. It's immensely a good thing. Yeah. yeah well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're here. And, and if, uh, you know, I've only ever been white. I've only ever mm-hmm. been this guy. Yeah. And, and, no, uh, I mean, there are, you know, the same sort of racial thing I was talking about that happens with class, that happens with yeah. gender. I mean, I'm. It happens you know, with, with uh, sexual uh, preferences. Yeah, it's, exactly. What I love about cheese is that there's a very solid group of people that fit into all of those paradigms, mm-hmm. and, and we all get along well. Oh, for sure. And thumb our nose at the people who don't <laughs> understand us. That's what I, yeah. I kind of like. We're allowed to be assholes to one another, <laughs> because that's just how it is. Yeah. But, but it, we're only allowed to be that way to each other. Right. So if anybody else... You know, wanted to make some commentary. You know, mm-hmm. you know, we would just bury them underneath some pig farm. There. But you know, hopefully that or won't happen. Bury them underneath some pig, maybe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving on from that, um, do you have a favorite moment working in cheese in NYC? Like an epiphany moment? Mm. I have funny stories to tell, but uh, we got time. I don't know if there was an. I mean the two the two moments that I come back to were one 
the very sort of first moment, um, going back to my very first job, of course. Uh, Where? Uh, which was at a, which was at a place that is not known for specialty food because they gave it up uh, over twenty years ago. It was Bloomingdale's. Uh, sure. They had a uh, they had a specialty food division. They the long story short they had a pretty that, good one for a while. Well, yeah. They the long story short of it is they walked into Balducci's, which was a great place, which was a temple of specialty food back in the uh, back in the early eighties or late seventies before then. And they essentially walked in and said, everybody that's not a member of the family, meet us on the corner. We have a 30% raise for you. And uh, they gutted the middle management of Balducci, took them all uptown to 59th and Lexington, yeah. and set up a phenomenal uh, food, court, food court. Exactly. And I gotten hired to work in what was called the pit. It had spe- it had uh, charcuterie, cheese, and prepared foods. And um, I was I was told I would get three days of training before go, before tying on an apron and diving in, and I thought, oh, how cool! Well, the three days of training all focused on be, learning to say with the proper accent, the proper intonation, and the proper head tilt. Welcome to Bloomingdale's. Oh yeah, how may I help you today? And um, after two days and eight, three days, seven and a half hours each of that. In the last half hour of the last of the third day, we were sent to our sales areas to learn our sales areas. And uh, needless to say, a counter as complex as the pit, there was far. You, you, I needed 15 minutes on the welcome to Bloomingdale's part, and um, maybe three days yeah. on the learning the learning the inventory. So that's so backwards. When my uh, my first full day on in the pit. My very first customer was this uh, very haughty uh, Trinidadian woman who comes up and orders a um, orders New York uh, New York Chever. Mm. Um, I thought that was New York Cheddar, and so I reached down for the big orange block, unwrapped it, and confidently put a knife on it and said, "How about that much?" And she started railing at me with the kind of. Uh, garbled tones that you hear from the adults on Charlie Brown. And I'm thinking, oh, crap. This is my first oh, full yes. day on the job. This is not going That's well. That's the banshee cry and, of the rich. Um, and suddenly, when a co-worker kind of uh, swooped in, looked at her and said, you mean New York Chev? With huge authority. And she shut up very quickly. He piped up, uh, popped open, you're going to smile, a, a, a little uh, a little cylinder of goat folks. Oh, shed, nice, nice. Um, and um, wrapped it up for her and sent her on her way. After which he gave me a taste of it and we, you know, we both kind of savored how delicate and how uh, light and fluffy it all was. And, um, you know, and then he turns to me and says... And it's much better than the coach farm. And I'm thinking to myself, wow. Yes, it okay. is. Okay, so there's authority. There, you know, there's authority. There's hipness. There's great tasting food here. This is pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that sort of thing. And just that, having someone have your back oh, when yeah. that super bitch came up <laughs> and wanted to make you look like an asshole because she didn't know what she wanted. And, and mm-hmm. that's your fault. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, know, you got to have your brothers in the pit with you to be like, no, excuse me. We'll take care of this person. Yeah, yeah. This is what you want. 
and we'd yeah. like you to leave. And one of the great ironies is that uh, goat folks got their milk from Lively Run. Nice. And so here I am 33 years later working with Lively Run. So oh. it's kind of a cool, you know, full circle. That's awesome. And that's a good way to start. And how about your worst moment where you were going to give up? Yeah, that was about three years ago. Um, the, you know, I, I built this... I built this cheese counter on Columbus at a place on Columbus Avenue. Yes, I remember. I this. built, you know, had a beer had a beer section as well. It was my first time building, you know, actually working with beer rather than just drinking the stuff. And um, we, you know, with no organizational support, our, uh, we built this, you know, close to seven thousand dollars a month section profit center in the back. We got notoriety in the Sunday in the uh, food t- section of the Wednesday Times. Uh, cover of it, as a matter of fact. We also got uh, a nice write-up um, in New York Magazine, which called us one of the eight best places to buy cheese. Name? Um, pardon? Name? Of? The? Shop? Oh, uh, Gastronomy 491. And... Are they still around? Barely. Um, well, that's probably because you're not there. Well, that's part of it. I mean, we carried a, we carried about a hundred cheeses at it, at our peak. Um, when I le- when I was last there uh, about two years ago, they had about fifteen cheeses. So, at any rate, um, I was told by the owner that she needed to cut my pay by thirty percent, um, and that I was really never worth what I was being paid in the first place. And how did she make that judgment? Um, she made that judgment on the basis that she was simply playing house. It was not, you know, it was a vanity project, not a business. Let me ask and you a question. Did, did you make any mistakes? Did I make mistakes? Sure. I guess. Well, I you, mean... There's no way you couldn't have made mistakes. Right. Exactly. Because you had no support. Right. I mean, the mistake the mistake I made was probably sticking it out. I mean, I, you know, from, I, I worked there just shy of three years, and um, I had people telling me within within six months that you're not going to genius your way out of this one. you got, you got to get out of here. But I thought to myself, I have such an amazing crew. Uh, yeah. I can't walk out on this crew. That's a tough and, thing to uh, do. You know, and so it wasn't until really the crew had diminished a bit and uh you know and but the thing that the the low point wasn't so much leaving there i mean i i'd been i could see that that moment was approaching the low point was looking for other work and having so many people tell me i should take a ten dollar an hour job and and work my way up again i i was 54 and i'd done that twice right and i thought to myself yeah and you fuck that yeah, I thought to myself, and in going on going on interviews and um, being told, "Oh, we actually hired somebody this morning, but we just wanted to see you're so not the type." I thought, "Yeah, let me go home and put beer on my resume and see what happens." And uh, you know, within a couple of weeks of doing that, I had a ten week consultancy with uh, another place that didn't really get it, and uh, but th- when that ended put out more feelers and walked into West Side Market and uh, threw it via one of them. And they were, I walked in via the cheese people uh, who were eager to have me, but the store GM was like, oh, you know about beer. Well, we're supposed to, the owners want us to create the best beer program in New York City. And I was like, whoa, well, 
the best beer program in the East Village alone is going to be a tall order, but if you guys want to go for it, we can have some fun. And the, and the guy just literally reached onto his um, reached onto his his belt loop, unlocked, uh, unhitched his keys, tossed them to me, and I was like, "Is this what I think it is?" It's like, "Yeah, it's the keys to the car. Where are we going? We want to have some fun." Nice. And pretty so much, you turn around. You turn you turn the worst moment around yeah, into I, the best I, one. Yeah, I rebound it pretty nicely. And that's, I think, a big thing about this job. You have to be prepared to do that. Oh, yeah. We all, and people like us that go in and take these suicide missions, <laughs> we do. I do those. You mm-hmm, know? I, mm-hmm. I, um, uh, I work in the middle of a big, big, big company. Right. Now it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, yep. and it's getting harder and harder and harder. And, and you know, the original ideas that built the company, the original bit, brick and mortar ideas, mm-hmm. I hold on to like grim death mm-hmm. because that's what works, you know? Right. And I find myself up against uh, up against things I don't I don't understand myself, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, and and it's it's a rough feeling, you know. Uh, when when you're when you're there, you gave three three years of your life to something that you wanted, you know, and and it didn't happen, and it probably hurt you pretty bad. But you jumped right back in in the job you wanted, not the job that people were telling you right. you should get. Right. Nice work, bro. That's yeah. really that. That's the story, though. That's our story. That's right, the right. cheesemakers, the cheesemongers' mm-hmm. journey in metropolitan New York. Oh, for sure. In in a nutshell, mm-hmm. right there. You yeah. know, you hold on like grim death to the good jobs you mm-hmm, have. Mm-hmm. Not so much to be selfish for yourself, mm-hmm. but if you have worked in the industry for a long enough period of time, what you start to realize is that you're not working for the people who are paying you as much as the people you are buying the goods from and mm-hmm. the people you are employing. Mm-hmm. And it's tough to see that go yeah. a way that you don't want it to go. In my case it is yeah. 100%. Yeah. You know, but well, we all bounce back because we're good because mm-hmm. you know, because nobody's better than us. Mm-hmm. That's that's just the way it's going to be. <laughs> um, so what changes do you see, you know, what do you think our business of cheese and specialty cheese cheesemongery will be like in the next 5 years given the growth rate of recognition and the other cheese that's come out? Well, that's the fun thing is I feel like being in beer, uh, being in specialty craft beer, I'm seeing the future of an item like cheese. Um, one of the things that cheese people are always people that know both sides of my food professional life, I ask me, you know, what's the difference and whatnot, and you know, the major thing to me is that. Beer has a social media, has yeah. a large integrated social media network, and it does two things. One, it means you have to act fast because word spreads like Quickly. that. Um, the minute the Grimms come out with a new IPA, my Instagram explodes. Um, by the same token, you know, so I think that we're reaching a moment where, in an ideal scenario, where people will be conversant enough with. Um, you know, with the equivalence of the Grimm's or Monkish or whatever, which would be Neil's Yard Dairy hmm. or, you know, uh, Jasper um, Hill Farms, Jasper Hill or, um, you know, any of a half dozen French affineurs or um, thing, things like that. And you would have, um, you know, and when they when they're when they when they via social media announce that. A certain cheese is coming on new wheels of Montgomery's or something like that. Or, um, yeah, Jasper Hill announces that Winamere is now available. That there will be, there will be both a response within a community 
but the that response is then translated into sales via um, you know via online merchandising. Right, instead of just showing off pretty because, pictures of cheese, which yeah, happens all the time. Yeah, because here's the thing: people shop with their phones. One of the great thing there are many great things of being working for a big store. A big grocery store like Westside Market. I mean, one, our beer constituency is not the stereotype beer constituency, which I love. But two, you get to see how people's shopping changes because how people buy boxes of pasta also play into how they buy cheese. Sure. And, you know, more and more and more because I'm one of one of my other roles at Westside is sort of be a back end floor supervisor and to be the the go to person when there's a question about food, uh, because you know when you have 75 employees, some of the most important thing that each of those 75 employees does is make the job easier for the other 74. Yeah, and and that's your job. Yeah, and that's part of that that's part of it. And so yeah, you have a lot put of people, cheese in every basket. Well, you have a lot of people who wouldn't know what Harissa is or wouldn't yeah. know. Wouldn't perhaps even know that there's a difference between Parmigiano and Romano or whatever. But in when they have a question, yeah, go go to the growler station, find uh, find the guy there, and he can he can flesh it out. And the whole thing is more and more, you know, more and more. I do that not necessarily for an actual customer with a shopping cart. I'm doing that for somebody who is shopping via for the customer for via that service. I'm doing sure. that for a proxy. And, um, you know, and that just means that I think what has to happen is the wide range of um, information that's available has to be disseminated better so well, that people be know. That's more is less with, with mass with masscom and and social media. More is more is less. You know, do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. <clears throat> flooding the Internet. With social media and advertisement in that way, I feel is is ineffective. Um, pull your thing back. You have a, you have an Instagram account. Put fewer pictures out, ones that stand out, mm-hmm. ones that can help you sell. You know. Well, the catch I think is that you you need to build a community. Yeah, and you need to build your own with you your need, own account. Well, you need to build. Well, here's the game, though. Okay, so what I did when I got to Westside and realized that oh, Instagram is the social media platform of the craft beer community. Okay, well, we have to be there. Well, then I was able to go. I could tap into this small brewery's community and mm. add a bunch of people. Tap into that small brewery's community. Tap into this. Tap into Garrett Oliver's network and. Find out, you know, and with the, you know, in a short period of time, we had about 1,500 people, which is now about 3,400 people um, as our community. So that when I may, and so sometimes I'm able just to say, we have the greatest new beer in in stock. But sometimes I'm able to say, you know, check this thing out. It's a different kind of India Pale Ale. We have to get over the idea that IPA means the same thing. And Instagram's your platform for that. And Instagram becomes our community wherein we educate our clientele. And I just think to myself over and over and over again, God, wouldn't it be wonderful if um, you, you know, if there was a, a cheese account like this where you could go and say, yeah. Roquefort and Gorgonzola are blue cheeses. They are different. They're similar in that regard. They're different. 
here's those, why they're different. Those sites are out there. I think what you're saying is we need a, we need a consolidation of that and use all of the fractured Instagram and social media accounts to bring them together to get some things you done. You need a community. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that. We're going to have to take a short break, and then we're going to come right back and do a little bit of a shorter segment. Sexment? Sexment. Sexments. Segment on craft beer. Cool. Today's program is brought to you by the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese, period. Why? Lush grasslands, glacial water supply, fourth-generation cheesemakers, combining old-world tradition with the new ideas and highest standards. The very best milk. What do you think of when you think of Wisconsin cheese? For me, I think cheese curds, delicious fresh cheese curds, or deep-fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally any way, any time, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese Company, the operation behind the Pleasant Ridge Reserve cheese that's literally America's most awarded cheese. I think of the deliciously stinky Limburger and its long-storied history. I think about Raleigh's Dumbarton Blue, a perfect blend of English-style cheddar and notes of blue. I think of Emmy Roth's Grand Cru Chirchois, which was named 2016's World Champion at the World Championship Cheese Contest. Wisconsin is like the world champion of cheese, and once you start reading the list of cheeses made in Wisconsin on their website, you can see why. The Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board is a nonprofit organization funded entirely by Wisconsin's dairy farm families. Read more at eatwisconsincheese.com. And as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, eat Wisconsin cheese. It's a no-brainer. Hey, like what you hear? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. With fresh programming every week, we've got something for everyone. Trying to start your own food business? Concerned about where your food comes from? Looking for the best wine or beer to bring to a party? Find our shows on iTunes or Stitcher, or head to heritageradionetwork.org to listen live and subscribe to our newsletter. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. I'm here with Martin Johnson talking about working in cheese. So before your new role, you were working in craft beer. Um, give us some parallels in that business, parallels between beer and cheese business. Oh, sure. Uh, the easiest, simplest parallel is that there's an incredible array of extraordinary iterations of both on the marketplace now. And the general public understands there's... You know that uh, understands beer, understands both, understands this fact that you know they shouldn't just be eating craft singles and uh, drinking Budweiser, and they're eager to kind of find a roadmap into these realms of deliciousness, mm. and um, it's that's that's the single biggest parallel. I mean, I have had you know this is I don't have data to support this, but I have you know numerous anecdotal moments. So I've we only accept database <laughs> discussions on this radio yeah, yeah, network. Yeah. I thought I thought we prepared you for this show. I'll have the anal- I'll have, have the I'll have the analytics or I'll PowerPoint have, I can I'll look have, at. I'll have the analytics on my uh, anecdotes sometime in the near future. Yeah, uh, Nate Silver's working on great. Them. That's but, fantastic. Uh, but at any rate, um, you know, any number of times I've I've 
dealt with I've spent five minutes talking to people on the beer aisle and then kind of lap drop back into my role as a back end supervisor and I walk over two aisles and find them you know with, with similar question marks in their thought bubbles as they stare at the cheese and I'm like well should we talk again and yeah. um, or in some cases you know I see them on the cheese aisle and then I see them on the beer aisle but one way or another I think that there's this um, and by far and away my most some of my most popular Instagram posts are the ones where I actually just take a picture of a beer and a cheese and explain why they work well together um, so the curiosity factor is the single biggest thing um, that I think is similar about both items I mean uh, artisanal cheese and uh, craft beer have that um, the 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 differences they 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 diverge I think from that point in very in many very very important ways though what I always learned about cheese and beer and what I have learned what I am continuing to learn uh-huh. about cheese and beer is that they they're near each other you mm-hmm. know oh absolutely grows together grows together yeah. cows don't eat a lot of grapes they do eat a lot of grass they mm-hmm. eat a lot of, you know they eat things that that Almost go to beer, mm-hmm. you know. Well, yeah, that and there, you know. Um, I used to do cheese and beer tastings with the guy who used to host cut uh, used to host beer sessions, Ray Dieter, and Ray Ray's primary Ray's big contention because we did we would teach cheese and beer classes at Ninety Second Street Y, and I remember when I booked him for the first class, and he just stood, stood up and said, "Why are we calling this cheese and beer? We should call this better than wine." Um, awesome. And uh, the idea, what his his idea, and it was a good one, was that cheese. Most cheeses have a slightly salty finish. Most beers, because the first thing, first mouthfeel you get is the carbonation. Sure, um, that kind of resolves that. Well, yeah. This, so, this was my thing with with cheeses and wines, mm-hmm. uh, where if I if I pair cheese with wines, I want uh, champagne. Mm-hmm. I want wine. I want carbonated wines all the mm-hmm, time because mm-hmm. it's a paintbrush it just brushes your yeah. mouth clear mm-hmm. you know and you get all kinds of interesting flavors my buddy Greg uh, Hessel and I would do a couple all, all champagne and blue cheese tastings mm-hmm. and it was crazy but it worked immensely well because of that that paintbrush effect sure. uh, and beer you, I guess that's what you're saying beer will wash away the salt I'm saying that beer yeah the carbonation will pair well you know the the way cheese finishes and the way beer starts is a uh, is definitely a good combination. Yeah, I mean, you you know, I'm I'm of the notion you have to, that you you have to make them go well in other ways too. Yeah, texturally, it has to work. Texturally, it has to work, and also the mistake I see whenever I see here's how to pair cheese with beer stories is they work solely off of intensity. And nah. I think that creating a clash of the titans on your palate isn't always awful. Yeah, I mean it can be, but I mean it, I don't think it's. Well, some people want to drink beer and eat cheese to have a good time. Of course, they don't want it to be a six-part lecture series. No, obviously, and yeah. you're going to explain to this person yeah. why that doesn't taste good. Yeah, is your there's something wrong with you? No, you know? of course, no, and you never want to do that. I mean, crazy. One of one of the one of my favorite stories from doing cheese cheese tastings was um, when I was very early on when I was doing this, and so I was still kind of getting my sea legs. Uh, I had my first really big group it was like 28 people i'm like whoa uh and there was a there was a group in the corner that got 
roaring drunk and et cetera, et cetera. And there were a bunch of people, very demure. And there were these two Korean women who worked for Donna Karen, and their their dresses probably cost more than I make in a month. And um, I passed around a, a Pyrenees sheep's milk cheese. And I'm busy explaining how delicate it is, how interesting, how there are all these nuances and overtones of honey and grass and, you know, and... I look, and I look over my, you know, I look to the side, and uh, both the Korean women have fallen. Women have fallen off their chairs. They're they're rolling on the floor laughing. And I'm thinking, if I was wearing a dress that expensive, I, the only way you put me on the floor is by knocking me out. Um, That's because you're not rich. <laughs> yeah, they can but, throw those clothes away <laughs> and buy new clothes tomorrow. But. Uh, and so I asked, you know, if they wanted to, because I was having a fair amount of trouble already with this drunken group in the corner trying to control the class. I asked them if they'd like to share what they what they were thinking. And uh, one one of the women said, you know, that the other woman had said that uh, the cheese tasted like kimchi to her and that she agreed. And I thought, okay, I'm not sure that I necessarily see kimchi overtones in this cheese, but if you do... What this. can I say? Yeah. Yeah. What 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 else is there what else is there to add? I mean, your everybody's taste is different and they should be um a lot you know, and everybody is going to experience things different. I mean, when I was working Can go, I interrupt go ahead. you for one second? Sure. So I didn't understand exactly what you what you said made them laugh. And when you said that they were rolling around and they, they, they well, tasted they, kimchi and yeah, the they, they understood the that, that was you a little. Said it, they, they understood that is a little unusual. The way that you said it to me, I thought you said that they said that the cheese tasted like him cheating on her. Oh, <laughs> and I and I wanted to know about yeah, these. Yeah, yeah, like, right. The cheese tasted like somebody cheating. I, uh, yeah, no, I, that's <laughs> a little a little messed up, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Kimchi's <laughs> only slightly messed, messed up. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes. So I, was, I was had to think about that, and and it brought me to some dark places. I bet, but, you know. Um, but uh, going back to semi-normalcy, mm-hmm. you were in your class, there's some drunks, uh, the women are falling on the floor in their expensive dresses, right. and, uh, and you're doing your thing. Yeah. And? Yeah. And they, you know, the reason, but the whole idea is they thought the cheese tasted like kimchi, and uh, I'm, I'm not going to tell them they're wrong. No. I mean, you, can't. you really can't. Yeah, well, you can't, and, and you're wrong to tell them they're wrong. I mean, everybody's... Every you know everybody's taste is the sum total of their sense memories, and their sense memory is different than my sense memory. It's different than your sense memory. It's different from uh, that guy in the booth sense memory. Yeah, I mean we all have different associations. I used to teach uh, wine and cheese classes with a guy named uh, Peter Jamros. Mm-hmm. He was a wine distributor, and we we hit it off really well. And we would do like seven, eight pairings uh, per class, and what we would do is we would deliberately do one that we thought didn't work. Sure. And invariably, when I pulled the class and said, what pairings do you think worked? They I mean, several them. Several people would always say, oh yeah, number five, that was really good. And Peter and I go, oh, okay. So, for parallels, you know, I think what you see uh, is, is physically... The, the components go together mm-hmm. and create a certain taste, texture, experience in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Beer and cheese. Oh, for sure. Uh, um, very different from wine and cheese, I, w- mm-hmm. I think. I mm-hmm. think the textures have to be different. Um, 
and I really, I you know, I, I also notice those those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so the parallels that I guess I wanted to talk about were just the cult of personality mm-hmm. in terms of cheesemongers and and beer mongers or beer mongers. I find them to be very familiar in in one another. I, you know, they they're both. Um, Magicians, mm-hmm. uh, cheesemongers are also magicians, mm-hmm. as, as are cheesemakers and mm-hmm. brewers. You right. know? So I always look at them as just sort of different wizards of, of, of different orders. Would you agree with that? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, I try. One of the things I often tell people when they say, "Well, how'd you get into cheese?" I'm like, "Well, how could you not?" I mean. The stuff, the same stuff you pour into coffee every morning, creates this myriad of different forms, shapes, flavors, mm. things like that. Isn't you know, if that doesn't pique your curiosity, then you're not paying attention to life. I mean, exactly. And similarly, beer has four ingredients. Yeah, it's totally, it's totally <laughs> true, and I really like that. I got one last question for sure. you, um, then we're gonna have to wrap it up. Um, what's your favorite beer or brewery right now on the mm. spot? On the spot? I got a guy with a gun in there. He's pointing it at you. Okay. Um, well, you're from up in the Boston area. You'll appreciate this answer. I think the beer that when I get gifted with beer that I never give away mm-hmm. is um, a beer from a brewery in Monson, Massachusetts called Treehouse. Wow. And uh, they're... Really, really awesome. I mean, and their beers make? are hard. They're best known for their IPAs that are very, very fruit forward. Their best known IPA is called Julius, as in Orange Julius. And um, they make variations of it, sometimes with many vowels and many S's. Yeah. They indicate that it's even more orangey than usual or more citrus forward than usual. And they, um, yeah, all, of their, all the beers I've ever had from them are really extraordinary. I mean, they're. It's part of the whole rising tide of Northeastern yeah. and New England, uh, India Pale Ales from people like Bissell Brothers and a lot Maine, of stuff going Trillium, on uh, and, which is also Massachusetts. Um, yeah, there's an amazing amount of great beer making yeah. going on in the Northeast. And I'll always go to the Allagash White. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. if, I, if I can, you know, yeah, some things yeah. are, they've been around for a long time. They have. There's a lot of great brewing going on in Maine. That's awesome. Well, Mar- Marty, I want to thank you so much for coming on today. Um, it's so rare that I get to talk to you. We've been talking for years and years mm-hmm. and years, but you know, we finally got a little, a little uh, sort of um, what is this? Uh, a little locked room where we, can, <laughs> where we can yell and talk at each other. We get a know. session. <laughs> yeah, definitely a session. So. Um, Go check Marty out at the West Side Market and buy a bunch of beer. Third yeah, Avenue and 12th Street. Yeah. Buy a bunch of cheese. Ask for Marty. Yeah. Check out some lively run farms cheese. <laughs> yeah, do that too. Thanks so much. And stay tuned for another Cutting the Curd next week. Ciao. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.